Well, the other night I felt like having a few drinks. Someone ordered a bartender and said, surprise me. He showed me a naked picture of my wife. <laughs> my wife had got no sex life either. She cut me down once a month. Oh, I'm lucky. Two guys I know she cut out completely. All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. I met one of the guys. I told him, who told you you could fool around my wife? He said, everybody. <laughs> my wife. Well, last night she told me she wants to have sex in the backseat of the car. And she wants me to drive. And welcome to your podcast. You know by that familiar music, you are listening to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here, and I'm joined today by the ever-effervescent BJ Cramp. How are you doing, sir? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. How are you, Ken? I am groovy as per usual. You know, Kiss has always kind of been the underdog of the rock world in a way. Even though they've sold 100 million albums and done all these things, they still never got the critical success that they should have or the notoriety that they should have for the right reasons, sometimes often for the wrong reasons. But they were kind of the Rodney Dangerfield of rock in the fact that they got no respect. And that's our topic today, no respect. Well, that's the story of my life, no respect. I don't no respect. Well, I was drowning. I was yelling, help, help. The lifeguard ran over. So I'm like, buddy, keep it down. Keep it down. <laughs> now, I don't get no respect from anyone. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, we have some guests with us, don't we, BJ? Yes, we do. We have Mr. Ryan McKay and Mr. A.D. Adams from the Shabby Road Record Show, a right. great podcast. A round and of a very funny, fun podcast everyone should check out. And uh, Ryan and AD, I believe, are also huge Kiss fans, so that'll work out for this for this particular yeah, podcast. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Well, thanks for having us on, guys. Thank you very much, Looking man. It's, it's such a pleasure to be on on podcast because I've been listening to you guys, Ken and and Gary, and even going back to when Ferk was on it. So years compilation conundrum, baby. Wow. <laughs> the yeah. real I'm deal. A fan. He's a lifer. I'm a, <laughs> a lifelong fan. <laughs> Well, let's let's get a, a kind of feel for what your show is like and uh, put you guys over. Let's let's introduce your show to our audience. Well, what we do, AD and I, we are big uh, fans of collecting vinyl records, and so we have these mystery boxes each. AD has three records in his, and I have three records in mine. And our show is basically us talking about the records that we brought and kind of taking them out one by one, dishing uh-huh. about it spinning a track, having a beer or two, and laughing, and telling great stories about when we discovered it and what, some of the backstory behind each record that we're bringing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's vinyl. The three picks from our, uh, that go into our mystery boxes are each from our own personal vinyl collections. So it's, 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 it's got to be from that. That's kind of the only real rule. Uh, if, there's no rules. We don't have rules. No, um, they change. Well, they... actually, one rule: if if your record skips, you got to drink. You that's, have to chug a beer. So that's that's one rule. But no, and then uh, you know we talk about any personal anecdotes. You know, maybe we partied in the '80s with some bass player, or got got in a fist fight with the lead singer somewhere, or maybe a or bass some... player named Ian. Uh, maybe Ian could have been yeah. Ian. Or yeah. Trevor. There you go. Yep. We just recently told a story, A.D., about you were naked on a motorcycle high on PCP. Yes. In the 80s. <laughs> the night that, who died that night? That was Tommy Bolin. Tommy Bolin. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I needed to be naked. Well, that is an PCP odd, had something to do with an it. an odd way to, to uh, memorial 
uh, Tommy Bolin. I, I don't think it had much to do with that. I just used that as an excuse to <laughs> be naked and ride my motorcycle in the snow. <laughs> well, Sometimes it, it's all the reasoning you need, I guess. That's right. It makes all the sense in the world when you're on PCP. Absolutely. Anyway. Rock and roll and vinyl are meant to go together. <laughs> like drummers and strippers. <laughs> That's right. So maybe it's time to hop on down to your local record store and go digging for some lost gems on vinyl. And that's exactly what we do here at the Shabby Road Record Show. We pick selections from our own personal record collections, and then we discuss the songs, the artists, the albums, and the stories about the music that you may have never heard. And there's nothing more fun than listening to two knuckleheads spinning vinyl and talking music. So dive on into the five-star rated podcast, The Shabby Road Record Show. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher, where there's a new episode released every Tuesday. Also, you can find us on Facebook and at our website, ShabbyRoadRecordShow.com. Gentlemen, do you have a favorite episode of yours that you could, like, suggest to our friends and fans here at the podcast that they should check out? The one that, would you say, is the definitive episode or one that you really enjoy? Ooh, wow. Man. We got a lot of good feedback on a recent episode we did called The Summer of Mott. Ah. And uh, The Summer of Mott is... Well, uh, well, AD, you could tell it because yeah. why it's called that and what. what is it happened. about good, Mott's uh, applesauce? No, it's a, <laughs> yes, it's from our fruit collection. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's from the fruit cellar. No, it's a, I, I had an old buddy of mine in in school, an old best friend named Matt, and we called him Mott, of course, because we were growing up in the seventies in junior high and high school. So obviously. He became Mott instantly as soon as we discovered Mott the Hoople. He recently was uh, informed by his wife that he needs to get rid of all this clutter, meaning his 700 vinyl LPs. So he got a hold of me and said, hey, man, do you need, uh, need some more records? And he's a listener of the show, too. And I'm like, yeah, man, send them my way. So I, you know, I paid for the shipping, and, and you know, he sent them out here. So the summer of Mott was me doing a... a I was I went for one month without picking from my original my original vinyl collection and just picked from the Mott collection. Yeah. So we dubbed that the Summer of Mott. And it was actually that was a great episode. There, there are a few that, good ones. It's also the one where I did my impression of David Coverdale. Oh, that's right. That was the Coverdale episode. Oh yeah. Start there. <laughs> Can I ask how much does it cost to ship 700 records? It was uh, all in all, and I, I shipped media mail, so it was two hundred and thirty-eight dollars. Wow. Wow, awesome! Mm. Great gems in there. So, yeah, Summer of Mott was dedicated to the uh, the new arrivals. <laughs> now, here I thought it was uh, Mott the Hoople, you know, and uh, I, Kiss always kind of liked Mott the Hoople. I always thought they would have done a great cover of All the Young Dudes. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Maybe, maybe yeah, someday they, they, we'll have a an, an episode where we talk about covers that should have been. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, they they're I guess they're. Their cover uh, version of that would have been their uh, "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." Exactly. But that the Argy cover, yeah, it has so, so similar much tunes. Of that there. So they kind of did that in a way. Yeah, you can dudes. almost sing all the young dudes over that chord sequence, right? Yeah. Of "God Gave Rock." So and Roll. maybe they were thinking the same thing. You never, you never know. Yeah. Excellent. Do you have a fave episode of the podcast that maybe jumps out at you? I know you mentioned compilation conundrum. So if you if you can pull that one out of your hat, you know, there- <laughs> that really was my favorite one from you guys it was one of the first ones i'd ever heard and i learned so much from that episode i i didn't know that there was a kiss originals too yeah in Je- in japan yeah. i didn't even know that listening to that so it's been a, a great ride of discovering all these facts about kiss you know over the years listening to you guys so thanks 
Excellent. <laughs> and one of the things I love about your show is the camaraderie between the two of you. So oh, very enjoyable. It's such a put on. We've got you so fooled. We, you I'm still bleeding from the fist fight we just had before we started. <laughs> put your shirt back on, uh, Eddie. <laughs> just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian. And Ian. <laughs> yes. So today's episode, the subject matter is no respect. Oh, I'm not a sexy guy. I know I'm not sexy. Well, this morning when I put on my underwear, I could hear the Foodaloom guys giggling. <laughs> and Rodney Dangerfield made a career out of getting no respect. His act was built around the fact that he got no respect. Well, you know, it's one thing to get no respect from Rolling Stone or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or maybe somebody's teacher, somebody's older brother. But when a song doesn't get love from the Kiss Army, you kind of wonder, gee, how come this song gets no respect? And today we're going to pick five of our songs that we feel should get more respect from our fellow Kissians, our fellow Kiss Armies, (laughs) our fellow Kissites. Kissians. And let's start with BJ. Would you like to go first? All right. I guess I'll go chronologically with my list. And I wonder how many times one of us is going to steal somebody else's pick here. It'll be interesting to find out if that happens. I'm going to go with the song from my favorite Kiss album, their third record, Dress to Kill. I, I think the reason that's my favorite Kiss album is because it's just a fun record. It really feels like they were having fun when they made that record. And it's It's strange because it seems like that was a stressful time for the band. They were under a lot of pressure. They had to get the record done fast. Their career wasn't going maybe the way they had hoped it was going to go. And they they had to make the record quick. They did it themselves. I I don't know how much Neil Bogart had to do with producing that record. I think they probably pretty much did it themselves. And I think it sounds great, personally. I think it sounds great. I think the songs are great. Uh, It was definitely the first album that I really got into uh, when I was like 11, 12 years old, and it's still my favorite by far. And there's one song on there that I feel doesn't get enough respect. It's by Gene Simmons, and it's a song called Two Timer. And I've always mm. really loved that song. I just think it has a great melody. Uh, the verse melody is great. Maybe the best part, the chorus is probably the worst melody in the whole song for me. The verse and the bridge, I think I like even more than the chorus. And it's just a simple, fun, catchy song. Just, I really have always loved that song. It's always kind of been one of my go-to songs to, to listen to. I don't know how many other KISS fans share my love for Two-Timer from Dress to Kill. So, yep, that's my first pick. Oh, no. Just call me a That song's got a great groove, man. Yeah. It's such a great groove. You know, think about that chorus, too. It's like right when you think the chorus is over, they add another line to it, you know? Uh-huh. My baby, two-timing me. Right. Two-timer. My baby's a... <laughs> okay, they're done. Two-timer. <laughs> that chorus is just like they tag you again and again with it. Right when you think, you know, you're on the ropes and they pop you again. That's that. That's cool. That got an honorable mention on me. Uh, that that got an, definitely got an honorable mention. Cool. Yeah, and uh, there's a quote from Gene from the um, Behind the Mask book uh, where he said, Two-timer came very fast, very natural. That was a demo I recorded in Minnesota. (laughs) That's what he said. Um, 
But yeah, you know, that's I think that's what's really great about Dress to Kill is it does seem like it all came very fast and very natural. Mm-hmm. And it's they didn't they weren't overthinking it. Bob Ezrin wasn't around to fuck things up, and I just think it turned oh. out great. <laughs> so And you know, Ace supposedly Ace uh, played that record with an amp he made from a cardboard box, which I, I guess I don't know if that's part of the reason it sounds so good, but I just Check love the out. way that record sounds. Check out the amp I made, Carly. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you think about the the time frame too, uh, it was only five months since Hotter Than Hell was released. So right. They, that that was on a quickie, like go 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 kind of thing. Yeah. So that that record was literally released within five five months of the release of uh, of Hotter Than Hell. So wow. yeah, they were hustling ass at the, at that particular time. Well, you know, they were they were. They had records to sell, you know. Mm-hmm. They were just just trying to stay on on top of things, but they were just. I think that was right around when they were going. You know, there's something to this show that's worth saving, and you know, that's I think when when the uh, show started becoming uh, almost more important than the records. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but that's when I think that they realized that the fans were really digging the show. Um, more so than the records, so they were just cranking out records to to create a reason to go out and tour. I think is part of, and that's the truth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always loved how Gene kind of scats at the end. So why is it do you guys think that the Kiss Army doesn't really gravitate towards it? It's just it's a very simple, catchy song, which is what I a lot of times like more than anything. Um, but you know, it's not Detroit Rock City obviously but mm-hmm. even though gene says it's the same chords <laughs> you know i mean two timer my baby is out yeah it's not you know it's not um but I, I don't think anyone goes to kiss looking for intellectual themes but you know i don't know <laughs> no. No. i think Room it just service. gets lost in the sh- in the <laughs> shuffle imagine the stones doing this in the 70s right that's a great point yeah this is absolutely mm-hmm. a stones kind of vibe to it and everything ryan your choice I went with the song that I got for my eighth birthday in the summer of 1980, and uh, the album is Unmasked, and that album in itself is somewhat uh, underrated, I think, in the Kiss catalog by by the fans. And I, I chose a song, Naked City, from mm. from that record. I think Naked City is a fantastic song that gets overlooked a lot. And met, you know, the, the album Unmasked doesn't get a lot of love, but when you kind of strip away the, the polish, the, there's great melodies and great hooks on that record. And Naked City uh, exemplifies that, I think. Um, the verses are great. There's a really cool guitar, like, lead guitar work on this song. And, and uh, you know, it took, well, it took four people to write it, first of all. So it's Gene Simmons and Vinnie Pontia. Uh, Bob Kulik is a co-writer. And this guy, uh, Pepe Castro, who's from the Blues Magoos, I think, is yes. what I found. So I'm wondering if it's Bob Kulik on guitar on this song. Probably. I would imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure of the personnel. Uh, on this record but yeah you know this this song is is great i think the lyrics are cool the, the guitar solo and everything else is darn near perfect for me i mean i guess if there's one complaint is that the bass guitar is way too loud in the mix but at least the bass line is a really cool bass line so you kind of find yourself listening to the bass line in the verses but yeah and <laughs> um, I, I would say that the bass line is a victim of its production and time you know what they were going for with a more a uh, pop, funkier kind of sound, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's true. In the city, 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 city,
Unmasked, I think, is a punchy record. I think it's got the tones are fairly good. I think the guitars are a little muted, right? Somewhat, uh, but and a lot of the the recording of the vocals, I don't know. The, some of the tones on the the vocals aren't all that great. It's sung well, but like the tone of the vocals is weird. Right. So it, it would be great if it was uh, remixed, like they remixed Destroyer. You know, I think Unmasked would be a, a, a really powerful record if it was remixed properly. Well, you know, we we said we were going to pick five. This is uh, and but I picked ten, and this was one of my alternates, if you will. So it's, oh, okay, uh, yeah, this <laughs> that was, was definitely definitely close to being on my list as well. And I remember hearing Gene talk about a demo, a heavier demo that he had of this song, which I would really love to hear. You know, the problem with Unmasked is poor production more than anything. You could pick a lot of songs off Unmasked for this No Respect episode. Probably most of them, really. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. AD? When we when we first talked about doing this, you know, we were all in contact with each other and uh you know, the the no respect thing, I'm going, gosh, that's you know, that's that's a broad how do I how do I narrow that down? You know, what what rule, what guidelines are we are following, you know, and obviously it's, it's you know, the Kiss Army. But before we kind of establish that, uh, like I normally do, since I wasn't sure of the rules, I made up my own. Well, so there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> he doesn't play well with others. <laughs> what I did was I took uh, and my, me and Kiss have an odd relationship. <laughs> we do, I, you know. There, when they first came out, there was no bigger fan of Kiss on this planet than myself. I had a VW Beetle, and I put Gene Simmons, the, the his eyes on the taillights. I put a star over the right headlight. I mean, I put the Kiss logo on the sides, and uh, we had Aces uh, uh, Aces mask silver space mask on the on the roof of that thing so you know we were kidding around i was a serious kiss fan what year was that that was when they first came out that was 1974 right when they first came out so you've been a fan since the beginning the we should probably beginning. say that saw their first tour yeah. you know and i mean it was just i've seen every you know even after i stopped buying even after i broke up with them i still stalked them i still went to their shows <laughs> so you know um, because their shows are so bombastic, but you know, and it was all over some chick named Beth, you know. So, uh -huh. what I did was I took, <laughs> I, I stopped buying their records. I, I after after Destroyer, and I have such a hate hate relationship with that record. I just think that's just the most throw trashable. I, if they would take that out of their collection, Kiss would be my my favorite band once again. But I, I couldn't disagree with you more, by the way. I just, but go on. That record, you know, and then they got right back into it. You know, they got Rock and Roll Over was great. Great, you know, mm -hmm. old school Kiss sounding album. And uh, as was Love Gun. And after that, they lost me. So it's like we broke up. And then, then uh, you know, when uh, Paul wrote me a little love song called uh, I Want You. We were back on, baby. So <laughs> what I did was I decided I would take what I thought was the most underrated song per album excluding destroyer because i think all those were overrated so uh oh. so i'm gonna start with the kiss album and i chose uh let me know Ooh. i think that's a great what a great riff first of all but the outro and and the little solo that you know on the outro of that i mean when the vocal breakdown comes at the end of that that's just pure cool man yeah that was just really listening to that first album and i just holding that record album in my hand and flipping it over and flipping it back over then looking at all through my cream and circus magazines for every picture of kiss i could find while listening to this record at max volume you know it was just like wow and then they did that vocal thing that no that harmony with that yeah. and then the riff and they they outroed that and ace was killing it i'm like are you kidding but you know look at all the other songs on this album first of all it was brand new and they were exciting so that that 
energy alone carried the record. But I mean, when you're talking about Strutter, nothing to lose, Firehouse, Cold Gin, Deuce, 100,000 Years, and Black Diamond. I mean, you know, mm. and you can throw away Love Theme from Kiss and, uh, Kiss you and know, time. Kiss in Time. But Kiss in Time wasn't on my album. Oh, you had the original one. Yeah, I got the original one. Oh, so that, wow. that wasn't even on my record. So You do go back a ways in yeah, your Kiss yes, fandom. Yes, I do, Sonny. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I just think Let Me Know was kind of, you know, they had all these huge monster songs about this and that, but that Let Me Know is just a, kind of a, a little twist, and I, I like what they did with that. And, and, and once the end of that thing came, that outro is just stellar. And uh, that's one that I don't Did they play that very much live? I don't think they no, played that. no. Because huh. I don't remember seeing them playing it live ever, I don't think. And I saw a bunch of their concerts. Of course, I've forgotten a lot of their concerts as well. It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter what you want. Was that's the song that Paul played for Gene when they when Gene said like show me what you got right? Uh-huh. But yeah. it was called Sunday Driver at the time. Yeah, right. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Which, to me, that's what stands out amongst all those enormous. As as a Kiss fan, I mean, you know, the the list of songs, the tracks on that album are just huge. They're still playing most of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one, I think, is the one that got away, and uh, I, I think it, it's. It's as good as, almost as good as the rest of those. I think it should uh, get a thumbs up. Got a thumbs up for me. I like it. Well, why do you think this one gets uh, no respect? Amongst all those giants, when you when, when it's surrounded by, you know, Cold Gin and Firehouse and, and 100,000 Years and all these, these enormous songs, it just simply got overlooked. It didn't have the, the, the strutter comes out with the big drum intro. You know, you got mm-hmm. nothing to lose with the catchiest chorus in, you know, modern, you know, history. Um Firehouse, let's talk about Firehouse, Cold Gin, or Black Diamond, 100,000 Years, got the drum solo, so Deuce, come on, you know, so, (laughs) I mean, it's the one, I think it's the one that got away, it's it's like, you know, in a Miss America pageant, there's there's 50 gorgeous girls, and even the ugliest one's pretty fucking hot, so, (laughs) that's kind of, I think that's why, they think that everybody went with the the big ones, the biggins. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of weird because your pick for number five and my pick at number five are kind of similar, and that where yours ends, mine could begin. Eat Your Heart Out off of Monster. And hey. what the two songs have in common is that kind of group vocal thing going on. Mm-hmm. That kind of acapella group vocal thing. Eat your heart out, baby! Oh, won't you give me something sweet? Eat your heart out! I think that it's a fun song and yeah it can be corny yeah it's gene uh you know singing about sex and i it i find it disingenuous when people say that oh it's creepy that gene and paul are singing about sex at this age yet 
they made an entire career out of it. You know, it's it's kind of like asking Lone Ranger Ranger to stop riding with Tano and lose the mask. It's just uh, at some point, you, <laughs> you know, it's it's built into the DNA of what we know as Kiss. And, and, and once you've written, once you've written, I'm 93, you're 16. Um, <laughs> the, the horse is out of the barn at that point in yeah. time. It's just. <laughs> Yes, the horse has already been violated. So, which sounds like another one of your nights, AD, uh, when you were, <laughs> yes. when you found out that John Belushi had passed away. You uh, anyway, um, <laughs> you threw down a bunch of thumbtacks, got high on uh, rough night for me on rubbing alcohol and uh, violated a horse. No, what do you guys think of "Eat Your Heart Out" off the Monster album, AD? Let's start with you. I stopped buying Kiss albums. I couldn't. I wouldn't even comment. You on haven't that. heard Monster yet. Never even played it. Never oh. bought it. I broke up with. It. I completely broke up with. It. Well, you need to uh, s- stop by the house again and check her out because um, the bass tones on that album to me are worth the price of admission, and uh, yeah. I really suggest you check it out. Ryan, I need more than bass tones. Well, you know what? You know, honestly, and, and to be 100% honest, I do I do own Animal Eyes. And, uh-huh. and I kid you not, it was one of those send away for 10 albums for a penny yeah. kind of things. <laughs> and so I'm like, ah, fuck, all right. So I was. it's funny you mention that because I, Ryan and I were talking on the way over here. And uh, I said, you know, listening to Animal Eyes, I hated that album when it came out. Just hated everything Kiss was. I felt like I went from a fan and they were selling me music and a show and everything. And then they kind of went to this corporate entity that was just trying to sell me product. And I really took that offensively as a young concert goer and as a young mm-hmm. album buyer. So I just, I divorced them entirely. But I did go back and listen to Animal Eyes twice while researching this show. Mm-hmm. And I went, you know, Ryan, that's a pretty good record. <laughs> so You should see his face. He's so animated and angry right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I'm just Fist in the air this, and this. yelling like he's a politician. <laughs> Well, AD, I mean, my brother, you know how we were talking about the horses out of the barn? Yeah. If you're worried about Kiss being a corporate entity trying to sell you uh, an album, that was like day one in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's... Well, yeah, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. But it's just, as a younger fan, I felt like I was getting getting good albums, honest albums from them. And, and then, you know, once... Well, you know, once I heard Great Expectations, I'm like, ah, oh, geez. And then, again, they came back. And so then, you know, they did the disco thing and, and the, the the whole dynasty. I just, there was something about them I just had had enough as a young yeah. fan. I'm looking back now and I'm going, you know, those albums are worth revisiting, though. You, That's you, it. you had Great Expectations and they were not met. <laughs> they were, no, they weren't. I flipped that album over, you know, like, oh, going, oh, God, what's he, what's on the other side of this album after, as as Great Expectations is fading out, I'm going, I don't even want to turn this thing over, you know? And then they what, I'm met with Flaming Youth. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. Oh, it's, it's Alice Cooper Revisited. Oh. It's oh, a it department totally, of youth, basically. It absolutely like, is, but it's still, it, you know, hey, reheated Alice Cooper is better than some other band's original stuff, so I'll, I'll yeah, take and, it. And, and again, I love Kiss. I am, a, I am a Kiss fan. It doesn't sound like it, but I, I really am. But there was a, they, I just felt so disappointed and so let down so many times. I just went, I just can't. I can't buy, I'm not going to buy the record. I just, you know. I, so anyway, Ken was talking about Eat Your Heart Out. <laughs> Before you Thank you. <laughs> you were saying, Ryan, your thoughts. My thoughts on on uh, Eat Your Heart Out and, mm-hmm. and Monster? Yes. Fantastic. I love Monster. Uh, I have a song on my list. Um, I, I picked Shout Mercy um, as, as one of my songs, too. And again, I have a bunch of uh, uh, alternate 
selections here, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll just go ahead and throw Shout Mercy into it. I, I think Monster is a terrific album. It gets next to no love from, from the Kiss fan base in general, and I don't understand it. I don't know what people are looking for in a Kiss record in 2014 or 13, whenever it came out. I don't know what they're looking for because this record has everything that you want in a Kiss record, at least for me. Mm-hmm. People might be shouting, well, Peter, Chris, and Ace Frehley. <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of people love the Revenge lineup and, and people like the uh, Vinnie Vincent, um, Creatures of the Night, or uh, Lick It Up stuff as well. You know, and Ace and Peter aren't involved in that, so they'll cite those records as being great. But it just seems like nobody's given any love to, to this lineup and this record called Monster, which I think is every bit as good as Revenge. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's a lot better than Revenge. So, yeah, Shout Mercy is the standout track for me on that record. Hmm, excellent. BJ, your thoughts on Eat Your Heart Out? I guess I probably heard it once. Well, there <laughs> you go. That's all I could say. Oh. I don't even remember it, but I know I didn't like it. But I don't even, I don't remember how it goes even, so. Me and Ken are just going to do our own podcast. You guys can go <laughs> home. <laughs> AD, so you get what I mean, like how that acapella part and let me know kind of. Yeah, yeah, 30 days in the hole kind of. Exactly. Right on it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Telling you guys, Monster, where? I got to let you borrow Monster. I'm going to let you borrow. I might ask her out again. (laughs) (laughs) She's had a couple of kids. She doesn't look as good. But man, if you get in the broom closet with her at the school dance that you're chaperoning, watch out. That's some action, baby. You guys are going to come out with some serious bedhead. BJ. Your next No Respect pick. All right, my next No Respect pick, I guess you could easily dismiss this song as Kisco. Has ever anyone ever said that before? Yes. <laughs> I've never heard that. I think you might want to make a t-shirt and make a lot of money. I made some, <laughs> I made some fried chicken with Kisco. I think. <laughs> but I think this is a brilliantly written song, a song from Dynasty called Sure Knows Something. Mm, I think yeah. it's just a great example of studio artistry. Great vocals by Paul, just a, a very effective delivery of a great melody. Uh, the way that the just the same part builds into the chorus. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a superbly constructed song. I really appreciate just the craft of the songwriting that went into this. I, I took the way you write a great pop rock song, in my opinion. Um, it doesn't feel corny to me. It it I it feel it doesn't feel like it's calculated to have a hit. Uh, it it just feels like a creative piece of work. Uh, Paul Stanley, I think, took songwriting very seriously, and I think he did a, a wonderful job with this song. I mean, I think the goal was just to write a good song and mission accomplished. Um, I love the song, but I think it's real easy to just think of it as kind of a sister to I Was Made For Loving You and dismiss it. You know?
the song, man. It's sure, no, something is one of the standout tracks on that entire record. That and Magic Touch for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> but do you guys think Sure Know Something gets much love from you know the Kiss Army like we're talking about? Or I I think uh, yeah I don't think it does. It doesn't have as much as it should. Right. Uh, it might be the disco stigma, though. Y- yeah, but if you on or unplugged, kiss, if you will. on unplugged, they do. It's True. probably the best song on unplugged to me. Right. That's such a great version on there. Right. I hadn't thought about that. How they pulled it out for unplugged. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a different story though. That you know, I, I, if you're talking about the song or the the track, I guess mm. the, the original track. Well, I think it's way better on Dynasty than it on Unplugged, personally. But um, Dynasty, I was so mad at them. <laughs> I was too. Man, side two, wrong side two of Dynasty is killer. You know, sure AD, I was in the same boat, and I, I've shared this story in the podcast before, but I remember after hearing side four of Alive 2, and, you know, Kiss was dead to the most of the people in high school. I, I carried that flag, right? I remember, you got to listen to this, and I play people larger than life, and Rocket Ride, and you know, all-American man and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is indicative of where KISS is headed. They're going to kick your ass. And on the mighty WMMS out of Cleveland, Ohio, they did this thing where Kid Leo would, like, uh, smash or thrash it or something like that, you know. And he came on and said, well, this is the new KISS record, boys and girls. And as soon as I heard him say boys and girls, that kind of stopped me. There was a chill in the air right there. (laughs) And he said, just like the Stones and Rod Stewart before them, Kisses went disco. Nay, Kisco, if you will. Let's check out their new track and let us know if we should keep it or smash it or whatever the terminology was. I was made for loving you. And that, that, that started. The phone started ringing about 25 seconds later, and it was all my friends laughing at me because they were listening. You know, back then we actually did things like listen to the radio, you know, and people called while the rest of the song played and was like, Huh, Mills, check it out. <laughs> I told you, Kiss sucks. <laughs> And I, you'd hang up the phone and it would ring again. And it was like, for like the next 15 minutes that happened. Ooh, God, and my mom said, I think it sounds kind of cool. <laughs> that's the final nail. Fatal blow, that's yeah. That was a haymaker. Yeah, then I went to a Kmart store when it did actually come out. Because that was played like three days before it came out or something. And when I opened that up, and there was nothing about the cover. They're wearing, like, black T-shirts, if that. And you flip it over, and it's just gray and red. And then you open it up, and there's that disco-looking inner sleeve. And I just... I I sat there in the little... You know how these uh, department stores used to have little commissaries, like little kitchen kind of things? I sat there with a soda looking at that album cover and just wondering what was happening. 
I could. It, it didn't make sense to me. And I wept and I wept. Yeah, and I, I know, wept. man. I longed. I was pining for the love I had before. Uh, it's just, yeah, you know. And I don't hate. I still listen. I still and I still love Kiss. Right. I'll still go see them if I get a chance. And uh, but yeah, there are those moments where they think everybody has a Kiss let me down moment. You right. Know, maybe. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're a real Kiss fan. And one of the letdowns yeah. of that album, and Alive too, I should say, uh, was finding a copy that did not skip. They were checking those things out so fast on vinyl at the time. It was so hard, and it was really hard when you're listening to I Was Made For Loving You on vinyl, because it's ding 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 did it just skip? You know, you, so so if you had one that did skip, you had to drive like 20 miles back to Kmart or James Way or wherever and, you know, convince your parents, please take me. I need this Kiss album. It's it's not going to work. But that was when I found out that I could keep the tattoos and the posters and the tour book thing and and still trade the record back in. So that that was a good side effect of that. Well, Ryan, your pick i love that you uh mentioned kiss alive 2 and uh the side four of mm-hmm. uh, new new music because number two on my list is a song called any way you want it as an underrated no respect song Kiss fans talk about this, but um, you know, listening and, and doing some show prep for today, this song really stuck out to me because I mean, it's basically Kiss doing the Ramones, right? It's uh, basically a great, uh, yeah, it's a, a great pop song. Um, I, you know, it, it makes me want to just get up and kind of bop around the house or grab my girl and and dance or whatever. You know, it's just a, a great. It makes little me want to grab song. your girl. <laughs> you keep your hands off her. Um, <laughs> and uh, you get uh, Paul and Gene just nailing harmonies all the way through the song. And I, I love when those two, those two voices together. And Peter Chris is crushing this song. Listen to the drum track on this, on this thing, man. It's incredible. Peter Chris is really nailing down. I, I hope it's Peter Chris, first of all. Okay, funny. Because <laughs> by 1978, Funny you say that. Funny you say that. Because it seems strange that like the the drumming on that side four is so amazing. It is, and you just wonder. You, it, it's 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 like anything in Kiss. If it's too good, you have to wonder what's really going on. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, that's yeah. That's that's part of what I'm talking. Well, about. if anybody knows definitively who is it, to me, it sounds like Peter Chris. Well, right. no one has ever said it wasn't Peter Chris, and you know. They've gone so out of their way to bash Peter Chris over these recent years. You think Paul Stanley would have mentioned it at some point? Yeah, it should have been remembers. in his book. I, you know. Um, well, Ad, your turn. All right. Well, let's move along from uh, the first record to the second record um, in my little album by album uh, synopsis. I I chose off the Hotter Than Hell album. Um, you know when people are talking about guitar solos, rock and roll guys are sitting around a bar or someone's house and playing records and going, hey, guitar solos, man, like Eddie Van Halen, an eruption, man. 
or like, no, Hendrix at Woodstock, dude, or whatever. And, you know, and you have all these great debates about, you know, the great guitar solos and, and, and you know, Jimmy Page and, you know, and these solos that are constantly come up. Even people mention a Pink Floyd, you know, whatever, I Wish You Were Here or some crazy solos. The one solo, and I think it's one of the greatest solos, if not the greatest solo, guitar solo, in the history of rock comes on a song called Strange Ways. Mm. And that song, for some reason, when people are sitting around talking about great guitar solos, why isn't that song the first title out of anyone's mouth? I, I just don't get it. So not only is that not only, I think, one of the most underrated songs um, from KISS fans, I, I'd say guitar players and people all over the world just have no idea how great that solo is. I mean, Ace... It's just coming, hey, Curly, hey, you want a guitar solo? I is a guitar solo. <laughs> and then when he's done, he just freaking unplugs his guitar. Here's that. Okay, yeah, we can buy. You know? And so great you know i mean it's just that should be two words what's the greatest guitar solo of all time strange ways who, I, wants, to, who wants a beer i you concur know? it's my favorite ace freely solo too so i that's my whole I, my whole thing i mean it's a great song but you talk about guitar solos from hell and just nailing it just killing it and i think he was quoted one time as saying it sounds like a dinosaur you know, and but just nailing it. And I don't care how fancy, flashy, technically uh, proficient, um, aesthetically, whatever. That guy, that guy came in there that day to play a guitar solo, and boy, did he! And that's just that. When that thing's over, <laughs> just something's unplugged, and he walks it out. It does. It does sound like it's getting just, unplugged <laughs> at the end. It's out of your dunnings. I could have played that long, Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> so I I say that I say Strange Ways off the uh, Dress to Kill or off uh, uh, the Hotter Than Hell record makes mm-hmm. my list. Very good. It's definitely a good one. I almost feel uh, inadequate uh, after that great pick, but I'm going to go with a pop song hidden within the polish of a polished rock song, if you will, and it's from Crazy Nights, and it's Good Girl Gone Bad. Well, I know she ain't the girl next door But she ain't the girl she was before She's a good girl
I think that you know a lot of people say well Gene was absent this that and the other thing but I think that this is one of the great songs and you know you mentioned Naked City earlier Ryan mm-hmm. his vocal performance in Naked City if, if Bono did that you know Rolling Stone would be talking about the, the amazing work that Bono did in Naked City well Gene also and imagine does imagine if Bono did it <laughs> Sonny Bono I meant I, of course Sonny I meant Bono. Sonny Bono oh you meant the guy from U2 okay I'll rephrase that <laughs> if Bono sang Naked City, that would, boy, Rolling Stone would really talk about that. But anyway, Gene's underrated as a vocalist, and I think this is just a, a good song about getting it on in the back of the car, you know, what we all strive for when we were teenage boys. And, and still uh, to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Any thoughts Thanks. on that track, BJ? Uh, Yeah. Well, it definitely wouldn't make my list. It, 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 it gets no respect from you, I take it. So, um, not, a, not a ton. Not a ton of respect. Okay. Uh, any love in the room from AD or Ryan? Well, again, I, I have to defer to my... That was uh, post-divorce, so... Right. Um, <laughs> they were separated at the time. Uh-huh. No, I, I Ken, I agree with you on Crazy Nights. Um, Crazy Nights is pretty low on the list as far as my favorite Kiss records. The songs that Gene does on that on that record aren't as bad as people say they are. Well, No 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 is pretty pretty not so great. But yeah. uh, Good Girl Gone Bad is a good song. Well, let me ask record. you this about No No No. If it would have been an instrumental, would you have had half the problems you have with it? <laughs> <laughs> no No No. Be- because seriously, the problems are in the lyrics. It's not the song. The, the, I mean, the music... If if that would have been an instrumental, I yeah. think people would have like went, "Wow, they're like Van Halen, check them out." You know what I mean? But because the, the lyrics are so, let's put it right on the table, bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The best thing that ever happened to No 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 was a song called Boomerang, which made No 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 be Look, like Stairway to Heaven. Exactly. <laughs> and and BJ, we we made an alternate lyric for No No No. Remember that? Oh, that was actually down what on we were all talking fours. About. Yeah, Gene. One of the working titles was Down on All Fours. Oh my! And Lord. then you could sing that to the No No. You could, down on All Fours. <laughs> you know, it's down on. <laughs> it works. So yeah. So there you go. There you go. I mean, can you? I wouldn't you love to get a hold of Gene's notebook from like 1985 with all his song titles in it? Yeah. Assume the position, you know, <laughs> all of his great pages stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's used a lot of them on, you know, Sonic Boom and Monster. Though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eat your heart out was definitely in there. <laughs> had to be. Had to be. All right, BJ. You're Eat next. your heart out. Um. <laughs> All right, BJ, your pick. Uh, my next pick, uh, I actually have a quote from Paul Stanley about this song, which shows that even he gives it no respect because his quote is, just a boy was a mistake. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I think this is a beautiful song with a wonderful melody. And I think you can tell what kind of a song Paul set out to write. And personally, I don't think he could have done a much better job, um, you know, for what he was trying to do. He was trying to write a certain kind of song obviously not a typical kiss song but for what it is i think it's brilliant i think it's a great song with a great melody and you know the elders another album like unmasked where you could pick quite a few songs i think for this for this topic 
like I, I thought about even saying the oath because to me the oath is one of the best kiss songs ever and so just for that it doesn't get enough respect but just a boy i really have always loved and obviously i think most kiss fans well a lot of kiss fans at least don't like it at all so just a boy from the elder i think it's great I think the song it gets hurt by that falsetto line that he that he does and he had the range to hit that in his full voice and i think it was just basically um maybe a production mistake in in some ways where it would have been a much powerful much more powerful song had he just hit it in his real voice rather than the falsetto but i get i get the concept of i'm just a boy and having a sort of a shrill uh mousy little voice doing it from the conceptual part of it Right. I agree with you, BJ. I love that song. And there's just such great melodies and hooks going on in it. In it. We were discussing earlier their, their use of falsetto, their excessive use of falsetto after a certain point yeah. in their career. And it just, it wasn't, I mean, if you're going to do that falsetto, double, triple track it, do whatever you got to do, but make it, give it an edge. But it, it was always too too cheesy no matter what song i think that they went to their falsettos whether it be you know especially paul you know yeah we we were listening to nowhere to run by uh, from the killers album and we heard a falsetto part like, and come on man yeah, <laughs> but i think it's like listen up listen i paid for these vocal lessons i'm gonna show you what i learned oh <laughs> uh, but you know you mentioned the falsetto use and how he was kind of like doing some sort of um, acting. I remember your episode where you talked about Jesus Christ Superstar, the album. Yeah. You know, it's really not that far removed from what was going on, uh, for example, on that album. There are a lot of uh, affect, affectations that came along with doing the part, if you will. Sure. So, in a sense, I feel like that was like his vocal choice or, or however they decided to do it. But then again, a lot of cocaine, Bob Ezrin, and Kiss trying <laughs> to be taken seriously equals this so but i I was gonna say i was gonna say it probably went like paul paul was like hey bob should i do this falsetto or full voice and bob edwin was like what's that paul (laughs) you know but uh you know i you know think about what paul stanley was trying to do he was starting from scratch from nothing he had a goal which was this song so think about what he was trying to achieve when he wrote this song and i think he did an incredible job he wasn't trying to write Love Gun, you know, so. Right. No, that's or right. was Good he? Point. No, no, that's a, that's a. <laughs> uh, I wrote the song called Love Gun, but it was already written. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, Gene had a song called Gun Love. And then, <laughs> and, then and then Paul stole it, right? Is, is that, you know? He and stole it, his love. And they're still using Paul's to this day. day. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, anyway. That's and we're just joking about the gun love thing, folks. It's totally a joke. Totally bullets joke. of love. Yeah. I'm gonna hit you. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. put my gun in your holster. Oh, I'll <laughs> shoot you with my bullets of love. Uh-huh. Shoot you with my bullets of love. Anyway, uh, we should we should write we should write a kiss album. Yeah. 
Armor piercing. <laughs> I feel like we could have it done in an hour. <laughs> At least. So, Ryan. Well, um, the next one that I have on my list is um, easily the most maligned record in, in the Kiss catalog. Things with uh, Kiss's name on it. It's, of course, the Peter Chris solo album. And I've chosen uh, I Can't Stop the Rain mm. as one of the songs. I think this is a brilliant song. I mean, it's a schmaltzy ballad and stuff, but it is such a great killer song. And I think Peter Chris gives a great vocal. There's nice guitar work and nice strings, and it's really produced well. And one of the notes I had for it is, um, a song is a song, a performance is a performance, and a gem on an otherwise bona fide train wreck is still a gem. <laughs> but the, the Kiss catalog has so much diversity in it. It has so much to offer. I, I don't understand uh, when people kind of get to squabbling about different things, like, oh, I only like this sort of thing or that sort of thing. One of the best things for me growing up listening to all these records is I became a fan in 1978. Um, the stuff I had to choose from, even with the solo albums already released and stuff, it's like, it's so great because of all, all the diversity in there. There's even the disco stuff. There's the great stuff that sounds like Slade's, you know, from the early years. There's the the bombast of the live record. There's the Beatlesque stuff from uh, from Gene Simmons on the solo records. And then you go into the 80s and you got kind of the hair stuff. You've got the heavy metal stuff. You've got all this great diversity. And, you know, I, I think uh, I, I love having all of it at my disposal where I can kind of pick and choose depending on my mood what I want to listen to. And if I'm in the mood for some kind of ballad, I'm going to put on that Peter Chris solo record and listen to I Can't Stop the Rain because I think that's one of the best big bombastic ballads. That's a lot of alliteration there, isn't You know, that, that's out there. And, I, you know, that, that includes, you know, tons of different artists, you know, Journey and from Journey to Barry Manilow and stuff, you know, so... I can't stop the rain. That's my pick from the Peter Chris solo record. All right, I'm going. I'm going to throw something out there. Could you imagine Don Henley and the Eagles doing this song? Oh, it'd have been huge. And huge. you know, like that one part in "Take It to the Limit," where there's almost it sounds like a bell ringing or something. Mm -hmm. They could have done the same kind of thing in this. Imagine if Rod Stewart would have done this or Bob Seger. Again, hit, hit, hit. Yes. And yeah. just because it's on Peter Chris's solo album, which I don't have a love for everything on that album, but this is something I have love for. This yeah. is this is great. Knowing how cats feel about water, I mean, <laughs> Peter really sold this song vocally. <laughs> you feel for him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what do you mean? <laughs> Can't stop the rain. Oh, oh, okay, got it, got oh, it. Okay, God. wow. Jesus, I really thought about that one too. <laughs> all well, right, that's all I got. <laughs> I would, one, I just have one word for Peter: umbrella. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's like, like a cat out in the rain, just meow. I'm so sad. Play meow. Um, oh, Ryan, that was such a good joke. <laughs> I know, it, it totally went over my head. So, AD, your choice. Yes. All right, well, again, chronologically, with the uh, going up to their third album, Dressed to Kill, uh, 1975's Gem. I love that record. Um, I think a uh, a song that kind of gets overlooked on that record in particular for me is Paul's blistering <laughs> Love Her All I Can. Oh. Ooh, there you go. We can have a good time when the scars are Mofos. I <laughs> yeah. mean, come on. You talk about that just ripping bonk, bonk, bonk. It doesn't get any bonkier than that. Uh, I think Peter's killing it. Peter Chris is killing it on this song, uh, especially at the end. Um, the, I love the middle break, the little syncopated middle break in there, and then that solo that follows is, a, I think, is a one of his greater solos, best solos on that record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the outro, he starts kind of starts to go into another solo and all I'm thinking is come on man give me another minute and a half of this song with Ace just finishing this sucker up man yeah and they fade it out it's like ah damn he just starts digging in again and they fade that out and I'm like oh come on give me more of that and I think that's at the end it was pretty slick they, where they reimposed that that solo break and uh Hey, Tijan, I wanted more man I, I want to play that song's too short in my book I like that song it's, uh, they opted for Two minutes of silence between each yeah, track. Yeah, I was gonna say they needed <laughs> they needed to pad it out anyways. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to heard more of that solo, but I I just think that you know it's a it's a good driving rocker, man. They're so good at that. Then you know when 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 you cut uh, Peter loose and let him just do his driving rock and roll uh, Motown, you know, quarter note on the snare drum grooves, and then uh-huh. uh, but some of the fills he's pulling off in there are just bombastic, man. It's really classic Peter Chris stuff man I just I think that's a that's a great great track um so that's what I got on that like I said uh just just I I think I love the uh I, I think Paul's vocal on that is stellar I think that's mm-hmm. fantastic vocal you know so that's an amazing song I was very close to putting anything for my baby on my list which is a very similar song uh-huh. yeah and I think just as good I you know like, I already raved about Dress to Kill. Every song on that record's great. But, yeah, Love Her All I Can, definitely a standout. Yeah, yeah, it really rips, man. And, again, that's one where you just, it's over and you go, nah, it's just too short. I want more of that, you know? <laughs> and, you know, another thing is if they weren't in such a rush to get Dress to Kill done, that song might have just been you know, lost to the Wicked Lester, uh, lost to history, you know? Right. So I, another great thing about Dress to Kill is that it, made them go back and save she and love her all I can from, you know, just being left in the past. Yeah. Yeah. That, that those last three, it's funny you mentioned she, cause that's just such a great, great track. And those, I mean, that album finishes as strong as any one of their records does, man. Yeah. yeah. With she love her all I can and rock and roll all night. I mean, come on, you know, yeah. that's, that's just to me classic stuff is my favorite studio 
Kiss album at this point. It's Alive good being one, the other one. Alive being the other album that is my favorite. So yeah, well that's when yeah. we was making love every night, me and her. Guess it was our relationship was still going strong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the rose was really blooming. Yeah, we was yeah. kissing and everything then. Still <laughs> and, and stuff like <laughs> we that. We were still kissing, holding hands. Yeah, holding hands like we liked each other. <laughs> well, I'm trying to decide. I have six left. And I'm trying to decide which one I want to go with. I think I'm going to go with I Will Be There off of Carnivals of Souls. Oh, that's a great song. Uh, Paul wrote it for his child. And to me, it is as good an attempt as Kiss trying to write a real song. And by that, I mean one that doesn't have to come from a character or, you know, there's some heart there. There's some actual heart there. Like, every so often, you'll see a heart that... And I don't mean that the band heart or Ann Wilson or anything. You will you will see actual heart come out in their lyrics. And this is one of those times. I just don't think that it gets enough love from KISS fans, plain and simple. I will be there. thoughts that's you know what that's actually that's one i did buy that album on cd and that's uh-huh. actually a, a, a it's a standout track on that album for sure i i didn't really care for much of that record it seemed kind of really contrived to me but if if i was to kind of maybe pick a song out on that on that record that would go into this category i'd I'd have to agree with you on that. I think the performance is honest on it. That's the one thing that may be the only honest performance on that record. Hmm. You know, Childhood's End is another one that stands out on that record too. Is which is one somebody- of my uh, six that I have, or now five uh, songs, <laughs> which is actually one of my <laughs> alternates. So go on and preach it, brother. Tell it. All right. <laughs> No, I, I think that's great, and it's it, like you said, it's a little bit rare in the Kiss catalog to have something that is very honest from the songwriting perspective, because it's usually just, you know, the usual fare. Uh, put your hand in my pocket and grab onto my rocket stuff. <laughs> but this song is really personal and really great, and that that's the kind of stuff always works. You know, people will always respond to that if you're writing from your heart, and... Um, you know, it's unfortunate that it kind of gets lost on this record that didn't really do much in terms of sales and, and didn't really get promoted properly and all this different th- all these different things. So the song is sort of lost uh, in the shuffle, but it really, truly is a great pick, Ken. Well, thank you. BJ, your thoughts? Do you really want to know? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, boy, George. Do you really want to hurt me? So go on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hate that record. It's just fake alternative bullshit from Ooh. my point of view. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, come on. Uh, that, what's his okay, name? Toby, but, but wait Toby a Wright. second. Hold on. Wait. Before you go on and rant, let me save you time. Speak to the song specifically. Yeah, it's just down-tuned wannabe alternative. The whole record was... I mean, I, Paul wasn't as didn't buy in as much as Gene did. But, you know, Toby Wright said on the Decibel Geek that they came to him and they literally said, 
we want to make a grunge album mm-hmm. in those words. Right. And so um, that right there makes me, I mean, that's a big strike against that record from the start for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but how is that any different from any of the other th- times that they went to a producer and said, we want to be that? Because it did happen. I mean, we were talking earlier off the Destroyer album. What happened to Destroyer? Yeah, that you was You know, is, is it Alice Cooper? Yeah, but it, I don't so. like Destroyer. I, um, I agree with AD for the most part about Destroyer as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Carnival of Souls is kind of comparable to Destroyer. They were not trying to make a Kiss album. They were trying to make something else. Uh-huh. And, um, and so, yeah, that just turns me off. Okay. I mean, you could say I was made for loving you. They were trying to do a disco song. Well, I like disco. I like Kiss doing disco way more than Kiss doing grunge. <laughs> Let me say so that. So you'd rather so. them wow, come from a happy place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I agree with you there, BJ. I, I, I actually do, too. <laughs> you would rather have them come from a happy place than... I think the the most uh, criminal thing on Carnival of Souls is the song Rain. We're mm, pulsing yeah. it. I wish you'd gonna rain. It's like, what? What? Well, no, I don't. Have, <laughs> you know, I have a real problem with all of the fake grunge albums that all of those bands were putting out at that time. Um, it just was, I think, really embarrassing for a lot of those bands trying to morph into like a Soundgarden-type band. Um, and, you know, the, <laughs> what is it at the beginning of Carnival of Souls? They actually say Paul actually says something about Billy Corgan yeah. in that little thing he's saying because Gene was actually just trying to be Billy Corgan, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just sad. Um, <laughs> right. And you know they they made the right choice in not releasing the record and they should have just stuck with that original decision. I think. But, you know, it's uh, funny about musical geez. trends though. There's always the you know there's always the few that 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 come in and change the face of music like what Nirvana did with grunge and. And then, you know, like when the hair thing came in or when the glam thing came in, you know, and there's always those names, Bowie, Boland, that, that ushered that era in, you know. It just is always, to me, it's always, especially if I'm a fan of a band, it's just, I don't I call it disconcerting, call it uh, feeling betrayed. But when a band already's got a name by doing what they do and then they follow the trend, and they, they lose that respect from me, I think, you know? And then it makes There's you some... want to break up with them like you did, so... I, I, and, yeah, and then I get back together with them, you know, for a couple of records and we break up again. It's the story of my life, you know? So I, I really think that uh, based just on the lyrical content of uh, I Will Be There, it, it definitely is, is worth mentioning to other Kiss fans. And it really sounds like no other Kiss song, so... And was this was this pre-divorce or when Paul was in the middle of like breaking up with his wife? Is that when that song was written? Yes, or? I believe it was. Right. I, I I believe it was, and I think it was just him kind of sending a message to his son that he's right. going to be there right. no matter. I mean, what 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 other Kiss song stands up like that? You know. So right. Anyway, all right. And our next pick, BJ. Would you like to kick this one off? All right. Let's see. Which one should I go with? I'm gonna go with a song from Asylum from 1985 a song called who wants to be lonely um, mm. i think as far as a pop single which it wasn't a single they made a video but it was not released as a single and uh i think it's a brilliantly written song with a great verse and amazing bridge that wake up in the middle of the night i mean that is just awesome <laughs> and then it goes yeah. into this massive chorus
you know, I really love songwriting. Uh, just talented, creative, you know, I really respect the craft of writing a pop song. I really, you know, I can really respect that. This is in the, uh, like, 80s metal motif, but it's really just an attempt at writing, like, a pop single. And I think they did a great job. You know, it's Paul and Jean Bouvard mostly wrote it, and then I think Paul basically says that Desmond Child, like, added some lyrics maybe on the chorus or something. Uh But I looked at the top 100 songs of 1985, and out of the top, the you know, like, the most popular 100 songs of that year, there is not a single hard rock song on the list. Like, the closest it gets to hard rock would be We Built This City, Boys of Summer, (laughs) Summer of 69, Uh, I Can't Hold Back by Survivors, pretty, but I mean, you know, that's, there's no, there's nothing even remotely heavy metal that was, you know, popular that year, so, but really, is Who Wants to Be Lonely that far removed from the Boys of Summer? I don't think it is. Uh, I, yeah, I think it had the potential of being a hit, maybe not in 1985, though, but I think it's a great, great song as far as songs go. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, it definitely should. And it not only does it get not enough respect from the fans, but I think by the band themselves, this is one that should have been played live several times, at least. And it was also it was saddled with a ridiculously embarrassing video. But nah, I don't think was. the video was seen outside of the exposed video. I don't think it really was played on MTV at all or anything. So really like only the fans that watched kiss exposed i think really even saw it but that would have been probably the most embarrassing paul stanley ever looked in his is in his entire career was probably in that video you know they had to i think they had to be really careful what they put in their set list that during that time in their career because uh, you know they really couldn't do without their diehard original you know old school you know casablanca days Kiss fans, they, they 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 can't be without them, so they had to be real careful, man. What they put on their set list. I mean, they they had better damn well put, you know, Deuce and Strutter and and, and Black Diamond and Love cert- Gun. yeah, Love Gun and certain certain staples that have to be in there. It uh, is amazing fear. though at how many times they did take chances and, you know, like you look at a set list from the '80s and you look at a set list now what is considered a kiss classic or a need to play song wasn't necessarily always that way in the 80s so yeah but but i dig exactly what you're talking about yeah and and i think that might be why you know they alienated themselves quite often too because when you go to see the kiss show you want to see their good shit that's i just do i don't i don't want to see stuff i mean again i was still going to to kiss shows just because of the patch just because of the show i wanted to see somebody you know blow stuff up and it was kiss it was just you know it doesn't get any cooler than that regardless of of how schmaltzy in my opinion they had become so uh, you know to me it it, there were some concerts that were just like left me flat and i'm like ah yeah they were i mean they they were people go hey how'd you like the show i saw you were a kiss show it's like eh, they were kiss you know and it kind of left me with that rather than you know pumping my fist in the air and just going dude they were kiss they were fantastic (laughs) you know so to me, you know, when Ace got back with them for that that brief amount of time, I saw him again down in Tucson, and uh, they were they were fantastic. And it, just because they had they were playing more Ace songs, you know, they played Shock Me and they, they yeah. did stuff like that. So they had that at their disposal as well. But there was always, to me, it seemed like a balancing act between the old. You know, they had to be careful between their old fans and their new fans. And if any band ever 
is loyal to the fans, it's it's Kiss. Uh-huh. Well, AD, let's go to your choice. Okay, well, going in the natural we- order of things, uh, Dress to Kill. Uh, I just did Dress to Kill album. Destroyer, I'm just going to skip right over. I'm not interested in that one at all. So oh, I'm going to go you. right to Rock and Roll Over. Um, all right, that's a good one too. And I had uh, I picked two on this on this one, and I scratched one off. But I tell you, I could have I could have chosen either one. I initially had uh, picked Baby Driver, and oh. I just love that song. I I don't, I don't think people take that song seriously, but I think it's a Peter Chris classic. Yeah, I just love it. But I I, I opted to pick uh, Hard Luck Woman. <laughs> believe it or not, and I I just think you know and and. Uh, I've been asked a question. Well, gee, you know, you pick "Hard Luck Woman" as the song that you and I love that song. But how come you like "Hard Luck Woman" and you not Beth? Don't like Beth? Yeah, what's up with that? Uh, the orchestration, the cheesy, the cheesy lyrics in Beth. Um, I, I don't like the orchestration. I think they're awful. Just, um, and, but I, I just "Hard Luck Woman" is I think is a more <laughs> honest song. I think the harmony, the melody is just haunting on that. It's a beautiful. I think it's a beautifully written song and maybe as far as song wise maybe Kiss's best song they ever wrote really honest to god honest to god I keep telling you hard luck woman you ain't a hard luck woman rest Sally's only daughter a child of the water too proud to be I love that. I love that song. I, I and hell, it could be a country song, couldn't it? Wow. It, it can be. Well, I think it might have been. It was. Well, you know, even yeah. yeah, even Chubby Garth went and did you know his little thing with it. it <laughs> Tubby, you know? Tubby Garth? Did Tubby you just say? Garth Brooks. Yeah, yeah. The didn't same he way, his... the same way I will be there was, or the same way Carnival of Souls was them trying to do a grunge song. This was uh, Paul writing a Rod Stewart song, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> and, right. I, and I believe wholeheartedly he pulled that off i i, I, I love that song i sing along with that shamelessly i'll sing the harmony part I'll, you know i'll just <laughs> i will <laughs> i'm like a chick in the shower with that song and dancing and i'm like a chick in the shower i, just I don't said know what that, that means I? at all oh you know how they just uh <laughs> you know it's how ad imagines it to be so I, it's, yeah yeah i was gonna say <laughs> yeah it's how i imagine so myself at the beginning of the chorus of the song does he say red no, rags. rags. Rags, right, rags. So is that like a nickname for the... Yeah, a little pet. Yeah. yeah. I've always thought of it as a throwback to handbags and glad rags by Rod Stewart. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But, you know, that, I mean, that's a really interesting choice that he made, to, you know, with those lyrics. A lot of the lyrics in that song are very strange. Not um, if you I mean, listen... it doesn't make a lot of sense, <laughs> really. Not if you listen to Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. <laughs> what a good wife you would be. It's yeah, that, I think thematic, that song is the same pretty song. much just as good as Maggie Man, You Wear It Well, which it sounds exactly like. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. I just think it's a fantastic song. I think it's just such a well-written song. Yeah. I love the harmonies in it. Um, the delivery is just fantastic. I just think that that's one of their better, better cuts. That, Great song. Yeah, I just love that one. Ryan McKay, would you give us your next pick for the song that gets no respect, in your opinion, from Kiss fans? Well, I'm going to go with a song from the Lick It Up album, 1983. Mm. It's Exciter, Mm. track one, side one. Um, People don't tend to talk about this song too much. They'll talk about 
Lick It Up, you know, the song, All Hell's Breaking Loose, and uh, um, the power ballad on there, uh, A Million to One. But one of the best songs to me on this record is the opening track, Exciter. Um, and I love it for the interesting melody that's happening against the uh, that syncopated uh, cool chord voicings that they have in that in the chorus. They're, it's really well written uh, with the background vocals in the chorus, the the sort of ah the ahs that are back underneath it. Uh-huh. The song is very interesting uh, the way it's all put together. Guitar solo was fantastic, but it's not Vinnie Vincent, right? It's right. Uh, Rick Derringer. Mm-hmm. Is that is who it? It? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The only outside guy on the entire record, I think, was probably Rick Derringer. Yep. Yeah. And there's that bridge at after the guitar solo is very cool as well. Um, the whole thing chugs along the opening riff. It's it's very reminiscent of the Oath um, from the, the music from the elder record, but, uh, it just chugs along at a great pace, tight and powerful. It's a great opener. And it kind of says, Hey, they, you know, they had all this sort of media push with taking the makeup off and everything. And this was a great sort of, Hey, kiss is back. And we've got a new image and we're doing this now. And I, I think Exciter was a pretty pivotal, pivotal song being the opening track of a record where you're changing your entire image. It had a lot of, of weight on its shoulders, and I think it delivers, and I'm not really sure why it doesn't get a lot of respect from a lot of people, and they don't really talk about it too much. But it's a great song. That's my pick, Exciter. Good pick, actually. So that's my favorite Paul. song on that record, definitely. Ken, I believe it's your pick now. What you got? BJ picked something off of Asylum. I'm going to pick something off of Asylum. That's the To me, if you love Lick It Up, then you should love this song. But for whatever reason, KISS fans do not seem to like this song. And I feel that this song has great lyrics, very motivational, and the music is excellent. And it's penned by Gene Simmons and Bruce Kulick, and the song is called Trial by Fire. Uh, Ryan? Ryan was mouthing out the title when you said that. Well, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. I've heard you talk about this song before. I agree, yeah. Asylum is a great record, man. It's underrated. Very, yeah. BJ, your thoughts on Trial by Fire? Well, you know, uh, the original working title of this song was Down on All Fours. (laughs) No, it's Down on All (laughs) Fours. No, actually, it was Live Fast, Die Young. Remember, we talked about that. Um, Yeah. But I like that song. We already, you know, we did the Asylum episode where I, we talked about this. Um, for me, the the Gene song from Asylum that I love is Any Way You Slice It. But Trial by Fire is a good one. I like Any Way You Slice It a lot more. But anyway, And it's not about vagina either, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, Neither one of those songs are. 
anyway, it's about how to... she's not her mama's little daughter anymore. Right. Because yeah, the exactly. main thrust of that song. Thrust. 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 The, uh, the uh, <laughs> main thrust, if you will. <laughs> this is Gene Simmons of the Rock Group Kiss. I'm here to talk about the main thrust. <laughs> so, Thrust by Gene Simmons. It sounds like... And now a cologne so powerful. I think he owned the copyright to the band name Thrust. It's it doesn't it sound like an eighties band name? How did that not ever Thrust, happen? Yeah. yeah, there's not a famous one. I'm sure there were a hundred bands that used it, but there's this group called Thrust that I put together. Lisa <laughs> is the lead singer. Uh she's got the moves. She's got the talent. Thrust. They used to be called shoes. <laughs> I'm I'm going to pro- I'm going to produce them. They'll, they're going to be the first act on Simmons' bankrupt label. And uh, no, anyway, that's enough for that. That's enough. That's enough. Stop it! Stop it! Just stop it. Bad cat. Stop it. Thrust the scent. Thrust the scent for get real to, men. To cut a promo for Shabby Road Record Oh, show. I would this do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Thrust oh, the scent of a real man. Anyway, um, okay. All right, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> I mean, really. Okay. So now we're in our last round, and here we go with our final picks, and then, of course, we'll lay our cards on the table. Anything else left dangling, we, sh- we shall leave no participle dangling uh bj what is your your last pick your last official pick for the the underrated get no respect kiss track well ken you picked the song from crazy nights earlier and i'm going to pick the title track if you will crazy crazy nights i think if you ignore the 80s production that's this is absolutely a classic kiss song like i think if you put it on rock and roll over not only would it fit i think it would be a classic kiss song that everyone loves but i think just given the time period and the outfits and the hairstyles and ron nevison it's just taken less seriously than it would be but just in terms of the song i think it's a definitive kiss song great verse great bridge huge chorus it just has it all it's just great mm-hmm. but it's just kind of stuck in 1987 you know? yeah and nobody's gonna change me Cause that's who I am These are crazy, 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 crazy nights Oh yeah Yeah, I have a, I have a hard time with that production <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'll say this, if, if Bob Ezrin got a hold of it, maybe I would like it <laughs> Well, there you Bunch go Bunch of reverb on there and kind of like the it open It would have been more slaty kind of I'd rather hear Eddie Kramer get a hold of it uh, I'm more partial to 1990s crazy, crazy, crazy nights. Just, you know, it's kind of like a sequel, you know, dumb and dumberer, crazy and crazier and crazier. Yeah, so. Even more crazy nights. Even yeah. more crazy nights. <laughs> oh my. Oh boy. But you know, to me, when I think back on being there in the 80s, and a lot of being a Kiss fan is being there and the times that you shared with the band and your fellow friends. I remember that whenever they do this song live, they would flip those lights on when he would say, you are my people, you are my crowd, you know, we love it loud, and we're millions strong. And it really did feel like this song was about us. This song was about the KISS community, all of us here at this show. It was, it was amazing. 
and well, if they if they had put a K on the beginning of the word, it would have been about the knights in Satan's service, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Absolutely true. So that was PMRC uh, era too, wasn't it? They might have sold a couple more copies. It was a little bit after that. I think they, yeah, they, yeah, uh, yeah. They lost their their um, power yeah. by then. Yeah. Whatever. America they found had. them. Yeah. Uh, left, they, they they were left wanting. They tired uh, of their folly. Yeah. They saw that they were getting more records sold. Like, yes. <laughs> let's put a warning label on it and sell some real <laughs> records here. Yeah. I mean, really, knights in Satan's <laughs> service. Come on, boys. Is this what oh, you want to be? Just take you to the fair and back. Oh, wouldn't that take you to the fair and back? Eighty, get in here and get these socks picked up. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, really. You kids. <laughs> Ryan, your choice. I'm going to go with one of my favorite records in the uh, the Kiss catalog. The Pantheon. And it's uh, the Gene Simmons 1978 solo record, and it's Ooh. Mr. Make-Believe is the song I chose as one that doesn't get a lot of respect. Matter Good of fact, one. the whole record doesn't get a lot of respect. Agreed. But Mr. Make-Believe, I love, see, I'm a Beatles fan, too. Me so too. If you're a Beatles fan, you kind of get this record, right? There's a lot of great stuff on here, and the Beatles' influences kind of permeate a lot of the better tracks on it like see you tonight mr make-believe uh man of a thousand faces and the in mr make-believe there's a lot of great uh really nice strings and stuff that that uh that they put together on it and that kind of carries the tune and then the background vocals are nice they seem to keep adding higher harmonies as as the song wears on by the end of it it's like this almost angelic um like three or four part harmony in the in the baby won't you try uh-huh. one more chance tonight it's like su- there's like a super high harmony in there yeah i'm trying hard to please you that section is fantastic what a great song this is i'm trying hard to please you would you believe me if i tell you baby won't you try just one more chance And again, it gets widely ignored, and I think probably because uh, people figured that this Gene Simmons solo record was just going to rock balls, and it didn't at all. <laughs> As a Kiss fan, you figured that would be the the hardest one. It would have a harder, darker edge, the the more of the God of Thunder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You almost, as as a Kiss fan, almost for in your mind's eye, was already kind of foreseeing what each album would sound like in a weird way. Yeah, you totally. Know? But uh, not to be. They pulled some trickery and fraud. Ace Ace Frehley's is the only one that delivered on that. Yeah, yeah. Initial. <laughs> yeah, that's the thought. one I think came through that way. The yeah. Ace put out the record you figured Ace would put out. Exactly. Well, Peter might have put out the one you would figure as well. <laughs> oh, <poor laughs> and he did. <laughs> he certainly did. Poor Peter. Now, yeah. kitty, poor kitty, kitty, kitty. Now that's a song I don't have much love for off the Crazy Nights album. Uh, here, kitty, kitty. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, God, that is a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> so, AD, your choice. Okay, well, moving forward, I've selected a sticky little bullet from the Love Gun. <laughs> um, okay. Which one? I'd rather have a well, sticky one than a stinky one. I'm just putting that out there. You know it, baby. <laughs> uh, but, 
you know, I mean, the Eddie, I love the the Eddie Kramer records. I thought they were great. I I loved Rock and Roll Over, and I loved Love Gun. I, they were back to my band. We we had started dating again. Like I said, once once Paul wrote that little love letter, I want you. It was back on, you know, from Rock and Roll Over. But and and this has got everything. This whole album's got everything you want from Kiss. It's got the you know the the songs about Christine sixteen, and it's got the pop numbers, but it's got the rocking numbers. I, I like this one. I liked Hooligan too. That was kind of a runner-up. There's something about that song I like. I, I dig that song the too. The words are kind of cheesy, but there's something about the delivery on it that's fun. But that was my runner-up. I uh, I chose Almost Human. Ooh, and uh, good track. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, you you played it on our podcast once, did you not? Uh, it was an intro record. That yeah, we used. That, yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah. The, the bass line just come on Gene is killing it Just, I mean, the baseline in that is is just tremendous. Guitar solo, two words, ridiculous. It's insane. That <laughs> that freaking Dude. guitar solo is badass. Where do we separate ridiculous and two words? Euless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, separated at the dick. I'm, I'm uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, ridiculous. Plus, I'm gonna ridiculous. Plus, <laughs> um, which again sounds like yeah. a band Let that th- you know. The uh, band Thrust could have done ridiculous. <laughs> that was their side one, track one. Yes. You know I mean, uh, you know, I love, I love the, I love the kind of. Che- it's almost weird because they're so cheesy, but the back vocals are are great in that. There's something cool about them being not badass, but the song. I mean, you know, again, amongst little pop numbers like, you know, like Plaster Caster and uh, Christine Sixteen, even Tomorrow and Tonight Shock Me. These are, you know, they're poppy. Phase one, what I call Casablanca era, you know, phase one, I should say, Kiss albums, uh-huh. you know, from the first, the resembling, more resembling the first three than rather than Destroyer. The rock um, and roll. But it, it, it really had that, that watching you kind of groove that Peter Chris is so great at doing that tumbling yet driving. It's pushing you, but it's, but it's holding back. It's not a ripping fast. It's, but it's very heavy and it tumbles and it rolls along. I, I thought, I thought Gene, uh, Gene and Peter are so great at, at that kind of groove, like the watching you and you know she and and and, and that type of groove. And I just, I dig that about this song. Heavy, yeah. heavy number. I like it. And so I, I don't think again, you know, with uh, when you're talking about Christine sixteen, that was that was a single. I think they chose off that record, wasn't it? And then you know, I stole your love was a big staple in the show live shows. I just, I just, I don't know. And then, of course, shock me. It was what? That was Ace's first vocal, yeah. But his first vocal, yeah. yeah. Thought that that drum, the drum parts were really, really, just big and fat on that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, because there's something about that that groove that that when him and Gene are laying down, it's just kind of a really cool Kiss thing, and it's they kind of revisit that every couple of albums, and I just, I like that groove. I like the way it tumbles and it rolls along like that. So. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that song got the love it deserved amongst all those kind of the pop songs. And, they, you know, they again, they were still struggling to hold on to their original. A lot of original uh, guys like me, fans, were not happy with Beth. They were, we were not <laughs> I happy. I think you said that. Yeah, but it took a, a couple times. records for, you know, to get back in their good graces. And just <laughs> when, you know, all right, rock and roll over. All right, let's go out again, honey. Love Gun, boom, boom, boom. And then what do they do after that? 
they cheat on you again. They fuck around on you again. <laughs> so you know, you, rage. You, you sure so, got a pretty mouth. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Put a nickel in the swear jar, right? So I'm a, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this song because it, I, it, to me, it's the last semblance of the love we used to have. I'm weeping openly. There's a tear. There's a tear running down my face as if I were in the world without hero video right now. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that's um, that's a strong track that that is highly overlooked. I think. Very good. Well, this is my last choice. Drum roll. I still love you. Speaking oh, of love, thanks, Ken. I won't. You're welcome. <laughs> if the Scorpions, if Billy Squire, if any other band would have done this song, you would hear it on FM radio when you're like driving home from the bar at two o'clock. You would hear this song being played. But because it's Kiss, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And what's sad is because the way Paul has oversang this song. The, I think he's kind of turned his KISS fan base off on it at times because he does like to yodel and warble and though I love yodeling and warbling not all the time and to me it takes something away from the arrangement of the album because yeah. it's very powerful on the Creatures of the Night album and yeah, this is one of those songs where KISS steps up and transcends their art if you will didn't Art drum on the Elder? No, that that was a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, but uh, seriously, it, it's a great song. BJ, your thoughts on I Still Love You? Yeah, I don't want to hear Kiss Blues, personally. Oh, um, this isn't blues. See, this is why, That's what it sounds this like is why we is... can't have nice things right here. <laughs> far, far too bluesy. Like, I don't think it's a good ballad. I don't think it has a good hook. I've just never really cared for it. It's just kind of boring to me. Well, we still I, love I, you. I disagree with, but, uh, uh, with <laughs> I disagree with BJ on this one. I think this this is a brilliant song. Uh, I think the guitar work by Robin Ford is outrageous. It's great, perfect for the song. This is my favorite era of Paul Stanley's voice, Creatures and Lick It Up. I think he never sounded better in his entire career than he did in 82-83. The, the tone that he has is remarkable and it's not about his range what happened in the 80s like with crazy nights and stuff like that he got too caught up in the range where he could hit these notes that are in the stratosphere it's not about range as a singer it's about tone and his tone on these records are is is incredible this this song is it's a it's a big power ballad and it, and it takes a while to develop it's almost in the vein of more of a led zeppelin thing than it is um any kind of uh bluesy humble pie rock and roll like that I, I love this song. I think this song is great. I, I've always dug it. It's been one of my favorite ones. It's great on the Kiss Animalized Live and Uncensored. But after that, can I agree where it starts to get the yodeling, like on the uh, Unplugged record? It's like, yeah, no, no, Ricola. I agree. I agree with, 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 with Ken Ryan on this one, BJ. I, ha I have to go there. I, I think it's 
it's a passionate delivery of a vocal. I uh-huh. think that, and and what Ryan was saying now, although yes, I think I think Paul's voice, he had taken again, he had done some vocal lessons and really focused on his voice. I think between the, uh, you know, the the solo albums and and that era, I think there was a couple of years where he really did really strengthen his voice. Um, sadly, he went into some of that falsetto stuff, which is just silly to me but but this one he opted to go full voice and and for that i think saved that song and i think that if he'd have done anything less vocally on that song it probably wouldn't have had the even the the respect that it got the fact that he took it so far over the top and just the way kiss does Mm -hmm. um i think that's what sold the song and being an old sort of an original kiss fan it didn't put me off at all i thought that you know, as he was getting down, I'm like, you know what, Paul, keep that shit going. Let's go. Come on. You know, <laughs> if you're going to go there, go there. And and he did. And I, I, I kind of kind of dig that song. And listen, I don't hate Kiss. There's songs from every one of their records after the breakup. You know, it's like you're looking <laughs> at your, your ex and going, she looks, she looks good. Yeah, but you never really <laughs> broke up. You know, you never really broke up. She's still in your heart. That's funny. I, my personal life's the same way. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Fear of commitment, but uh, I hate detachment as well. So, <laughs> who uh, doesn't? Independence and a kiss. Now that we've all flipped over our cards, let's flip over the last bit of our remnants of our list. We were making up these lists, and we all picked a few extra. BJ, do you have any left over that you'd just like to throw out? Just name the titles. Yeah, the the first song from Gene's solo album, Radioactive, I think is a really great pop song. That, that I had on my list. And another one is a song from Sonic Boom, actually, that is sung by the Catman. This, there's this character, the Catman, and he sings this song on Sonic Boom, All for the Glory, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's a song there's a song on Sonic Boom and a song on Monster that it seems like Paul was trying to write a Peter Chris song or mm-hmm. something like that. Oh, and those are like the, <laughs> the two songs that sound more like classic Kiss to me. But I think All kinda for the like Glory is Kind of like a mainline kind of thing. Yeah, All for the Glory has a great chorus. It reminds me of almost like a Backyard Babies or Hardcore Superstar type song. And uh, I think the Catman's voice is great. It sounds really good on the song. He does a great job. And, of course, that uh, is Eric Singer, as, as currently played by Eric Singer. Oh, I, you mean the Catman? Yes, as currently played by Eric Singer. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when they changed Catwoman on the Batman show. I was like, what? Three different times, buddy. <laughs> Can you do that? You can't do that. Can you do that? And yet... It happened. Any others, BJ? No, those are the... Okay. And I mentioned anything for my baby earlier. Yeah. But yeah, let me just... Eric Singer sounds great on that on All for the Glory. He has a really good voice, you know? Yeah, he does. He, he does. He's a good singer. They should let him sing more. Ryan, any uh, bubble bubbling over? Any other, other I have, extraneous I have listing? three. Um, I have Secretly Cruel from the Asylum, Asylum album. Uh, great record. Um, and that to me is one of the standout tracks. Secretly Cruel probably could have been on Rock and Roll Over, as we've said on a couple other songs tonight. Yeah. I Pledge Allegiance to the State of Rock and Roll is on my list, too. I love that song. I think it rocks. The incredibly <laughs> awkward title. Yeah, the title suffers. It should have just been I Pledge Allegiance or, yeah. I don't know, State of Rock and Roll or anything but the 
perfect right there. Mouthful. State of rock and roll done. Uh, in, and out. And my last, my last one was the song Odyssey from The Elder. Oh yes, um, I love I lo- that song. Yeah. Love, love that song. Uh, I love Bob Ezrin, uh, Bob Ezrin and his coke fueled decision to cover that song. <laughs> <laughs> and the expensive orchestra that probably cost a fortune. The the charts on that orchestra are just undeniably great. Uh, if you listen to the the string arrangement there, so say what you want about the song itself, but the. the the song I, to me is, is is fantastic. The guitar solo I wrote soars on winged flight. Winged. <laughs> and the the mix the mix between the band and the orchestra through the luminescent night. That guitar solo soars. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to this as I was, I was a child in a sundress listening to this when I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only flaw in the song is Paul's vocals on it. You know, Bob Ezrin should have paid more attention to what Paul was doing with it. You know, he sounds too. Elvisy kind of thing, <laughs> and he's just too dramatic. And I don't know if that's just what they were going for, but almost like Paul a Count Sch- Dracula kind of thing. Like I want to suck your blood from a far <laughs> off galaxy. You know my thing with with Bob Ezrin and Kiss. I love what Bob Ezrin. I love the uh, Welcome to My Nightmare album, and I was so mad at the Alice Cooper band. You know, when, when Bob Ezrin, you know, the whole, they changed everything and Ezrin came in and did that. So I, I just, I hated that. Um, I mean, I love that, but I hated what Bob Ezrin did with Kiss. It's funny how, I, I think he made Alice Cooper, he saved him and I just. I don't understand that. I don't either. I, I don't there. either. It's just because I had different. First of all, you're cheating on Kiss with Alice Cooper. So no wonder you're fighting. Well, Alice Cooper came first. Oh, you're cheating on Alice Cooper with Kiss. Yeah, you know, and again, you know, they kind of picked up the Alice Cooper. But I don't know why, I, I just, I think the match, I think there was more tongue-in-cheek all the time with Alice. So that big production, overblown production, was acceptable because you go, ah, that's Alice, mm-hmm. you know. But with Kiss being a serious, well, at the time, rock band, and it just didn't, the orchestrations didn't go with the... The demon suit to me, I, you know. I completely agree. I hate what he did on Destroyer as well because he, I think he did not try to make a Kiss album. He tried to make something else. He tried to make he a Bob Ezrin album. Almost a Bob Ezrin album, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem. You know, there is not enough Kiss there and way too much Bob Ezrin there. Yeah. C- couldn't disagree more. Uh, and I think, I think, you know, again, I think one of the greatest examples is that, you know, Flaming Youth and Department of Youth. I think that, that, that to me went, okay, Bob. Okay, you guys. It's just almost like it's. They could have made it. You know, they could have called that album "Welcome to My Nightmare 2. Well, and as much as as much as Kiss, as much as Gene and Paul now act like Destroyer is the definitive album, I think there's a reason that they went to, back to Eddie Kramer after that and no back doubt. to their old sound. And you know, now they want to look back and say Destroyer is their masterpiece. But you know, there there's definitely a reason that they said that they I mean if Beth hadn't been a hit Destroyer would have just been a disaster really yeah, and, I, and I love it I love Bob Ezrin I, I love his work I, but I just don't like it with with Kiss for some reason it just didn't didn't work you know it's like you, you like this food and you like that food but you put them together like watermelon and peanut butter you know it's like <laughs> I like them both but they don't go well together they just <laughs> or Italian working. food and Chinese food <laughs> mm. <laughs> Like if you took so, General Chow's or however you pronounce it. How, by the way, how is how do you guys pronounce it? Sal. Sal. Okay. So so if you took General Chow's and and put spaghetti sauce on it, there you go. 
Right, right. <laughs> One time I was at a Chinese buffet and they had a, a pan of tater tots and there was a sign there that said harsh browns. <laughs> and that is what Bob Ezrin did to that record. <clears throat> yeah. He dropped some harsh browns on that record. Ouch. Bazinga. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> he turned the hash browns into tater tots called harsh browns. I harsh mean, come browns. on. It's obvious. Right, yeah. So, AD, <laughs> any, any, any final dribs and drabs from your list or did you hit everything you wanted to i think i think i mentioned baby driver i like that off the rock and roll over record i think i mentioned hooligan from love gun but off the animal eyes album which the band should have changed its name to uh kiss priest on that record i thought um i liked burn bitch burn because it didn't sound like judas really? priest yes i like that song judas priest was riding high on the mtv wave you know it th- this record it was what 84 Four. 83, 84, it came out, right? So, I mean, Judas Priest was all the hard, the last decent remnants of the new wave of heavy metal was coming through. You know, you had your priest and you made, and they were established and everything. Scorpions were doing their thing. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, so that was the sound. That was, that's what became the, I guess, the formulaic, generic hard rock sound once MTV put their sort of, stamp on it and and, mm-hmm. and the video came out and, and homogenized it all but uh i think that's what animalized animalized became but i thought bitch uh, burn bitch burn was kind of a little refreshing change from that some heads are gonna roll that's, type this is the AD. first time burn bitch burn has ever been called refreshing yeah i was right? going to say maybe <laughs> ad we we need to that's put that on your tombstone burn bitch burn is a refreshing change of pace i think that's i think that's a fun song amongst all the other ones where they're they're you know playing with furled brow and you know really hitting those hard you know downstrokes on the guitar hard because we got to be hard now you know, and uh, and I think that Burn Bitch Burn was a fun, especially with the silly little back vocals in it. Yeah, and that's just so cool. And it's like, ready to go. You know, that's that's the old <laughs> I just kiss. Just put a smile on your face. It did. I'll grin it ear to ear. That. So I would have to pick that one. That that's one that definitely made my list. <laughs> well, the last bits from my list that didn't make the cut. What makes the world go round? Childhood's end. King of Hearts, which. Should have been a single and should have had better production, but I'll, I, I will get off the soapbox. And Kill Magic Touch. I think it's one of the best songs Kiss ever did. And along, remember how I said if this would have been the Scorpions that put out I Still Love You? If anybody would have done Magic Touch other than Kiss, it would have become a radio staple. I firmly believe it. So stick that in your kiss collectible pipe and smoke you know it. talk about speaking of, of of the theme being disrespect you know um i think that what you just said speaks a lot of that they were there was even a stigma with the radio station saying from, well from day kiss one. is past but i mean even from day one at first they were scared of them you know uh-huh. that you couldn't play that they it was weird the time you know and that but once they were established as a big band then they had kind of run the course, and they went, ah, that's just old Kiss. We need new stuff. You know, I think they were they were disrespected definitely as a band. So I think when you say if it was done by anyone else, I think, you know, that, that underscores the entire theme of this show, really. Right. So if you've never given any thought to some of these Kiss songs or just feel that, hey, I've listened to that album enough or... Ah, I've already heard all that before, and you have your mind made up, maybe it's time to revisit some of these tracks. 
mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. another spin and check out the songs that we feel get no respect in the KISS catalog. Let us know what songs you feel get no respect in the KISS catalog on our Facebook group. And we'd like to thank Ryan McKay and A.D. Adams, the man who had the balls to say that Burn Bitch Burn was a refreshing change of pace. (laughs) (laughs) And And that even rhymes with put another log in the fireplace. Let me put my log in your fireplace. Burn, bitch, burn is a refreshing change of pace. Yes, it does. It does rhyme. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. It does. All right. So, so for having us on. Well, we we love having you on, and I enjoy your show, gentlemen. And anybody who wants to listen to two guys geek out on some serious vinyl and rock and roll history and discussion. And we would like to encourage folks to check out the Shabby Road Record Show. And gentlemen, please tell us where folks can hear you, find you, and uh, be that on iTunes or wherever. We'll give them the www's and the what and why's for us. www.shabbyroad.com No, no, we got, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, just uh, search for uh, Shabby Road Record Show, and you can find us at our website, shabbyroadrecordshow.com. But come on over if you're on Facebook. Come on over and like us. Uh, there's a Facebook page for us as well, Shabby Road Record Show. Mm-hmm. And I would like to mention for anybody who wants to listen to them, they, they do drink quite a bit, so the uh, <laughs> chances of getting a good drunken commentary is pretty good. And they, they have uh, new dancing girls that are there every episode. Pity they don't show them. So Yes. Uh, no, uh, it's better we don't show them. But, okay. <laughs> we well, we only got the ones that we could afford. Yeah, Ken, Shabby so Road Studios in a real <laughs> shitty part of town. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we encourage folks to check out your show and anybody that's listening to us for the first time. If you want some of the best in Kiss Talk, well, still please listen to us. We've been doing this show for eight years, and it's been our pleasure to entertain the people who have come along for the ride. We want to thank our friends and our fans for being part of the story. And like I said, you can find us all on Facebook, be it the Shabby Road Record Show or the podcast. We will see you all on Facebook. Rate us all on iTunes and keep rocking. Thrust, let's see. the what, what, <laughs> what was the name of that one song? Re- what was it? Recu- what was it? It's a Ridicule. Yes, there's less. Yes, there, there, there's a few songs we're hoping to push to MTV. I'm, I'm producing the album. I'm going to redick you. That's, that's one of the songs. Oh, that's what he meant by worth a deuce. Yes, redick you. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that's enough of that foolishness. Hey, sometimes it goes somewhere good. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I've been listening to you guys for probably five years, Ken. Why? So it's like really no, um, cool to actually talk to you uh, in person. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Check out the Shabby Road Record Show. What a dumb family I got. Are you kidding? Last week I looked up my family tree. I found out I'm the sap. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. 
And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. What a childhood I had. My mother never breastfed me. She told me she liked me as a friend. As usual, vault rules do apply. Touch not, lest you be touched. Oh, okay. Oh, and how do we sound? Because I... Since Sexy DJ, since as I... hell. Oh, Ooh. you sweet-talking oh. cheetah. Go on. No, yes. you guys sound great. Hello. <laughs> All right. My stepson had a, has a friend over I've never met before. I want to say hi to him. Okay. What's he doing? Oh, he's doing a podcast about Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. I'll tell you, I get no respect around here. Hey, oh, hey. You know, um, but uh, yeah, Bono said that. <laughs> Take three. All right. Yeah. Because oh, there are all God. these noises. Cause, it I picks mean, up every ambient like noise that there yeah. is. A mouse farts five miles away, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> which that's how a mouse does sound when they fart. <laughs> tiny little butts. And little tiny, tiny little buttholes. Tiny little buttholes. You know, you say it's sort of thing. By the way, I love it whenever you guys are talking about some fucking English band. But inevitably, have you found out? It's like I almost set a bomb timer, and it's it'll go off when someone says the word Ian, because there's always some frigging bass player or manager named Ian somewhere. In, like you could be talking about Rod Stewart, you know. Rod Stewart was doing this, and then a bass player named Ian on just out of nowhere. <laughs> they were a pr- very prolific name in the 70s for some reason. For British guys, apparently. Hello, Ian. How's it going, love? Right, Trevor. <laughs> Trevor. Uh, Mi- is Mick, 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 is Mick Trevor. shown up yet? <laughs> Hello. Um, all right, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. Squish.